Spirit in the preaching had a double anointing on it, I believe. Don't you really spoke to my heart. And Pastor Charles, thank you for letting me over these years be a part of this wonderful, wonderful place. Because you know, I was born and raised in Texas. And uh, it's always great to be back to my home state where uh, every mountain's a mole, every molehill's a mountain, and every dry creek's a river, and every man's a liar. It's wonderful to be back in Texas. Yeah. And you know I'm just teasing. Well, I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles and turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 11. And tonight I'm preaching on this subject, Jesus is a way maker. Jesus is a way maker. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11, verse 1. Now it came to pass, when Jesus finished commanding his 12 disciples, that he departed from there to teach and to preach in their cities. And when John, now that's John the Baptist, had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, Jesus, are you the coming one? the Messiah, or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said to them, said to those two men sent from John, you go and tell John the things which you hear and see, the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed, happy, is he who is not offended because of me. God, put your message on the tip of my tongue. Give me a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. And again, Lord, give our hearts ears to hear what the Spirit has to say to us. I confess the devil's a defeated foe. And I pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. John's life had taken a sudden turn. John the Baptist had been the most popular preacher in the whole land of Israel. Thousands of people flocked out to the wilderness of Judea to hear this man preach with fire and boldness. He baptized thousands of people who gave evidence that they were repenting and looking for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He was a man, when he preached, who didn't tell people what they wanted to hear. He told them what they needed to hear. And that got him in trouble. And that's why he's in prison. He is incarcerated in a prison fortress near the Dead Sea. You see, one day he stood before the king, and he told the king, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. In other words, you're an adulterer. He told the king, you busted up your brother's marriage and took his wife. Now, the king didn't like that. But the wife especially did not like that. And so now he sits in a prison cell, staring at four walls. A man who used to sleep under the stars and preach to thousands has now two followers... Two men who come of all the thousands to visit him in this prison cell. 
Now, there's some commentators that say John didn't entertain any doubts. It was these two disciples that had the doubts because of this turn of events. So he sent them to Jesus so that they might be helped with their doubts. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that John sits in this jail cell and doubts whether or not Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the one sent from God to save souls, to change people's lives. Now, doubt, I believe, is a present affliction in the lives of many of God's people. And when I talk about doubt, I'm talking about the confusion you face when you pray and you claim a promise and you don't see God through, come through. I'm talking about those times in your Christian life when you've done the right thing and you got a lot of trouble as a result of it. I'm talking about, as a believer, feeling forgotten, abandoned, overlooked, and unimportant. I'm talking about those times in your Christian life when you think God is so busy dealing with all these problems in this world, he has forgotten that you even exist. Sometimes God's people doubt. Now, there are two things I want to point out in these scriptures tonight. First of all, I want you to notice here we have an unsettling question. It's an unsettling question that John the Baptist would even ask this. He says, I want you to go and ask Jesus this simple question. Are you the coming one, or do we look for somebody else? Now, of all the people who would have doubted, I would have never suspected that John would be the one that would have these doubts. I mean, of all the people in the Bible, his coming was prophesied in the Old Testament. Now, to me, that's a big deal. You're somebody special. If you are mentioned in the book of Isaiah, in the book of Malachi, when God has given you a unique task that no one else has been given, it amazes me that he would doubt because his birth was so unusual and miraculous. You know, his father, Zacharias, was an old man, the Bible says. And the scripture says his mother, Elizabeth, was barren. And they'd always wanted a child. And one day, Zacharias, who was a priest, was ministering in the temple. And an angel appeared to him right there in the temple and said, Your wife is going to have a baby. And I'm going to tell you what to name the baby. Because this baby's got a special task to prepare the way for the coming of Christ. His name is going to be John. It was such an unforgettable thing because... Zacharias sort of chuckled. He thought, that's impossible. My wife's barren and I'm an old man. And so the angel said, because of your unbelief, you're not going to be able to say one word until this baby's born. And so when he comes out, evidently with hand gestures, he communicates to his wife and to the folks that his wife is going to have a baby. And think about this. Think about the experience John had in his womb When Mary walked into the room, when the angel came 
to the Virgin Mary and said, the Holy Spirit's going to conceive a child in you, and that's the Messiah of Israel. It's going to be a virgin birth. It's a miracle. With God, all things are possible. And your cousin is getting ready to have a baby too. She made a beeline to see Elizabeth. And Mary's got Jesus in her womb, and Elizabeth's got John in her womb. And when Mary walks into the room, John leaps with joy in the womb of his mother and is miraculously filled with the Holy Spirit. How could he ever have a doubt? And then I think about him baptizing folks. He's down there baptizing people in the Jordan River, and one day he looks up, and Jesus is standing there, and he knows who it is. Because he says, listen, I don't need to baptize you. You need to baptize me. But Jesus insists on being baptized. And John the Baptist is one of the few men in history that had the opportunity to touch Jesus Christ with his own bare hands. He baptized Jesus. Now, that's a privilege. He put him under the water, and when Jesus went up down in that water and he brought him up out of the water, Luke says that Jesus was praying as he came up out of the water, and God opened the sky, and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove on him, and the voice of the Father, the first person of the divine trinity, said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And then one day John was standing there when Jesus passed by, and he said, Behold, that means lift up and gaze upon. He said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He got it. He understood it. All those lambs in the Old Testament were just pictures. They all pointed to this person, Jesus Christ, who came to die on the cross and shed his blood to pay our sin debt in full. He came to atone as a sacrifice for our sins. Behold, look on him. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And now sitting in this jail cell, this privileged man has doubts. Are you the one... Or should I look for someone else? And that teaches me something about doubts in the life of a Christian. Now, this may shock you, but it's the Bible truth. It is no sin to doubt. It is no sin to doubt. Unbelief is the product of a wicked heart. Doubt is the product of a restless mind. And in verse 6, Jesus says, Blessed or happy is he who is not offended. And the word offended means caused to stumble. Happy is the man who does not allow my mysterious ways to cause him to stumble. So doubt is not a sin according to Jesus. God's people sometimes doubt. And here's the good news. John may have doubted Jesus. But Jesus never doubted John. Now you say, I don't know if I agree with that. All I know is after Jesus said that, happy is the man who is not stumbling over my mysterious ways after those two disciples of John went back to see him after they had been with Jesus all day long. Jesus turned to the crowd who had heard them ask the question. This crowd heard those two men ask Jesus, John the Baptist wants us to ask you, are you the one or should we be looking for somebody else? Jesus turns and addresses the crowd. Now, honestly, myself, I would have been shaking my head, said, boy, I tell you what, this, this caught me by surprise. Of all the people 
that would have doubted me, I would have never thought it was John the Baptist. I mean, he, he signed my baptismal certificate. I mean, I, I don't even get this. No, Jesus turns and he says to the crowd, says to the crowd, there's never been a man born of woman greater than John the Baptist. So because you got doubts, Jesus hasn't cast you off. Because you've had doubts, Jesus hasn't rejected you. That doesn't disqualify you from praying or disqualify you from worshiping or disqualifying you from serving. Because your mind is restless, because, my friend, your circumstances have overwhelmed you, I want you to understand that Jesus hasn't put you on a shelf. Sometimes life just doesn't make sense. I'll tell you something else he teaches us about doubt, but just asking that question. He shows us what to do when we have doubts. He sent his doubts to Jesus. He, he said, I've got a doubt here. I'm giving it to you guys. I want you to go to the only one who can satisfy my doubts. So if you're confused, if you don't understand what's going on in your life, if you've prayed and heaven seems like it's closed and you feel forgotten, I want you to know that Jesus wants you to bring all of your doubts and to lay them at his feet. And he's not going to scold you or punish you. He's going to bless you. He says, blessed is he who is not offended because of me. So first of all, I wanted you to notice we've got an unsettling question. But the second thing I want you to notice here is we've got an undeniable answer. Here's the answer Jesus gave these men. He says in verse 4, Go and tell John the things which you hear and see. You've watched me all day long, all these crowds around me. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preach to them. Did you know there is a fourfold purpose in the miracles of Jesus? First of all, the miracles of Jesus were to establish his credentials. In other words, they visibly demonstrated he is who he says he is. He's God. I mean, when Jesus came and he made the blind to see and the lame to walk and he cleanses leper and he raises dead folks and he's preaching the gospel with power such power that someone said, never a man spoke like this man. His miracles accredited him in the eyes of mankind. They were his credentials that he is the Son of God, the Messiah. The second purpose of these miracles was to give us a foretaste of what's to come. You see, in the world because of sin, people get sick and people die. And uh, people have certain physical disabilities. We live in a fallen world. As Brother Bob says, we don't have our resurrection bodies yet. But we're, we're going to a place where the blind see and the lame walk and the deaf hear and nobody gets sick and there are no cemeteries. 
Jesus Christ was giving us a sample. Jesus Christ was giving us a foretaste. This is not all there is. I want you to know there is a place where the sun never sets and we never grow old and we never shed a tear and there is no cancer and there's no sugar diabetes and there is no gingivitis and there is no arthritis and there is no bursitis and there are no sad goodbyes and every day is today and Jesus Christ the Son of God is the light. There's no confusion. There's no misery. Nobody ever gets angry. Nobody ever gets mad. Hallelujah. There's no committee meetings. There's a place called heaven, the Father's house. It's called paradise. And the miracles of Jesus were a foretaste of what's to come. But there's a third purpose in the miracles of Jesus. They showed forth his compassion. Jesus could not leave people in their misery. And so he's walking along, and he sees a blind man on the side of the road in John chapter 9, and he stops. And the Bible says he spits on the ground. He makes clay with the saliva and the dirt. He puts it on the man's eyes, tells him to wash in the pool of Siloam. And for the first time in the man's life, the man can see. When Jesus Christ saw a man who couldn't hear, he opened his ears. There was a leper. People people cringed. They ran from him. But he comes to Jesus, and suddenly he feels something he hadn't felt in a long time. Jesus touches that leper. And when Jesus touches him, the leper sees he's gone and one day Jesus stands with two sisters in a cemetery and their hearts are broken and they said if you'd have gotten here sooner our brother Lazarus wouldn't be dead but he's been in that grave for four days and he's he's decomposing and Jesus stood there and what did he do he he wept with those two sisters he felt their pain so I'm just telling you, I don't know what your burden is tonight, your brokenness is tonight, your hurt is tonight, but the Jesus Christ that one day walked on the shores of the Sea of Galilee in sandal feet, that same Jesus is in this place tonight. The Jesus that healed the sick and raised the dead and preached the gospel, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he's walking up and down these aisles. He's moving in these pews. We've already felt his touch in this place tonight. I'm excited. I'm not worshiping a dead deity. I don't bow before an altar. I serve the living Jesus Christ who came out of the tomb with the keys to death held in the grave and he's in this building tonight to heal your broken home and your broken heart and to change your life forever. He is in this place tonight. But listen, there's a fourth purpose in the miracles of Jesus. The miracles of Jesus illustrate the power of of his gospel. The greatest of the miracles. Now, he, the blind sing, that's a great miracle. The, the, the lame walking, that's a great miracle. Lepers cleanse, great miracle. The deaf hearing, wow. But the poor have the gospel preached to them. And, and poor there doesn't just refer to those who are financially bankrupt. It's talking about those who are spiritually bankrupt because we have no righteousness. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And he says, I'm preaching the gospel. So the greatest miracle is a spiritually 
bankrupt sinner can turn to Jesus Christ and in simple faith believe on him and when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ who took your place on an old rugged cross in faith he changes you he takes your sin he gives you his righteousness and God sees you righteous in Jesus and that's the greatest miracle of all the miracle that God saves a sinner from hell and makes them righteous in Jesus Christ because of his death burial, and resurrection and what is the gospel I hear all kinds of people using that word, and they even say, you know, this is a gospel issue, and that's a gospel issue, and, and gospel this and gospel that. Well, what is the gospel? You know, the, you, you, God defines the gospel. You can't change the gospel. If you do, it's not the gospel. The word gospel means good news. 1 Corinthians 5. The apostle Paul says, this is the gospel. Christ died for our sins, according to the Scripture, was buried and raised from the dead according to the Scriptures to give life to those that believe. That's the gospel. And the Bible says that simple gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Now, we look at the state of our nation and our world, and we think the answer, the solution, is a man, a politician. If we can just get the right politician, and I believe in voting and voting for the right people, but if you think there is any man on God's green earth that can solve the problems that we've got in our society today, my friend, you are deluded because the only thing that can change the heart and save a sinner from hell and make them right and righteous is the powerful gospel of Jesus Christ and churches instead of cursing the darkness and sitting around moaning and groaning and talking about how bad stuff is ought to rise and shine and give God the glory and preach that gospel trust the gospel oh we need another plan we need another scheme we need another creative strategy no we just need to be faithful to preach the gospel Gospel and to live the gospel and to make sure we preach it straight. He died, he was buried, he was raised, and he'll change you if you believe that's the gospel. Now you say, how do you know that the gospel is powerful? Because I was blind, but now I see. I was lame. I couldn't walk with God. I tried to turn over a new leaf. But let me tell you something. When I got saved, he put my feet on the highway of holiness. Listen, I, I was polluted by the leprosy of sin, contaminated. But his blood washed my sins away. I was deaf to the voice of God. My heart was like a piece of rock. But when he saved me, suddenly my heart hears God speak through his holy word. And I want you to know I was dead. I was dead as four o'clock on a government job. I was as dead as a doorknob. I was dead, stone cold dead. And the same Holy Spirit that came into that dark tomb of Jesus and raised him from the dead, that same Holy Spirit came into my dead heart when I believed that gospel and he raised me from the dead. The powerful gospel. So Jesus says to these men, I want you to go back to John. And I don't want you to tell him what I'm claiming. I want you to go back and tell him what I'm doing. And I want to make sure you understand what he's saying to John. 
John is staring at four walls. And when these men come back and they tell him, we were just with Jesus, and he's making the blind see, we saw it with our, the lame are walking, the deaf are hearing, he's raising people from the dead, cleansing lepers. You know what Jesus was saying to John? This is what Jesus was saying to John. Jesus was saying to John, just because you can't see me working, that doesn't mean I'm not working. Just because you can't hear me working, that don't mean I'm not working. Just because you can't feel me working, that doesn't mean I'm not working. You know, I read about this man that uh, he was sick, and he was in one of these big inner-city hospitals that had these large wards where there were just dozens of beds, just bed after bed, and no privacy. And they had this custom that when someone was dying, that they would put a screen up around the bed to give them a little privacy in their dying moments. And one day this man lay on his bed, and the orderlies of the hospital showed up and erected that screen around his bed and he thought oh God in heaven I'm dying and I'm not saved I'm lost I'm not ready and I believe in Jesus that he died on the cross shed his blood for me raised from the dead God I'm asking you to save my soul in Jesus name and he waited in a little bit, the orderly showed back up. They took the screen away. They said, we're sorry. We put it around the wrong bed. We made a mistake. He said, no, you didn't make a mistake. He said, I was lost, and I was going to hell. And a few moments ago, I cried out to God, and the unseen hand of God reached out of heaven and saved my soul. And now I'm not going to go to hell. I'm going to heaven, and I'm ready when that day comes to die. It was no accident. I want you to understand life is not a bunch of chance events and accidents, and there's no such thing as fate, but God is working. This is what I want you to get from this story tonight. I want, I, want you to, I want you to understand this. Jesus Christ is working even when you can't see him working, even when you can't feel him working. He's working even when you can't hear him working. The one who is the way is the way maker, and he is always he's working let's bow our heads and close our eyes and let's all stand could we for just a moment heads are bowed eyes are closed and here's the simple invitation tonight if you're not sure you're saved the gospel will change you if you'll believe and the pastor is here and staff is here and if you'll come and just tell them I'm not sure if I died I'd go to heaven tonight they'll tell you they'll tell you how you can know Christ as your Savior but there may be somebody here tonight. You've been through a lot. I don't know what you've been through. It's rattled you. And you've had some doubts and maybe even felt like God has forgotten you or you're confused. You're disoriented. You've had some doubts. And what you need to do tonight is just bring your doubt to God. So... We'll open these altars up one more time. And I encourage you, 
Jesus is waiting with open arms. Just bring your doubt to him and say, Lord, here's my doubt, and I want to thank you. I want to thank you that you never doubted me. And I lay my doubts at your feet. Holy Spirit of God, move in this invitation time. In Jesus' name I pray. Obey the Holy Spirit tonight.